1: Of week five in the NFL and it's not over yet as we welcome you into this Monday edition of the Lombardi line. He's Michael Lombardi. I'm Stormy Bonantoni. We've got Monday Night Football coming up later tonight from here in Las Vegas. The Raiders hosting the Packers. We'll preview that game at length a little bit later on in the show, but we gotta start Michael with what was a clean sweep for your picks yesterday. Credit where credit is due and also I feel like the bulk of every like lean and base opinion that you had on games yesterday came true. So somebody call NBA jam. Yeah. He's on fire.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah, it worked. It worked out. Yeah. You know, it was an interesting weekend. Uh, some of those like I thought the most accurate we were yesterday was don't watch the Pittsburgh Baltimore game. It's ugly. It's going to be disgusting. But when the game's over, Pittsburgh will have covered the four and a half. And they end up winning outright, which if you watch that game, you could never see how they could win outright, even though, you know, the outcome. So. It was one of those weekends where sometimes your trends, you know, those trends that you introduce, they're just too hard to ignore. I've learned that in in handicapping games. You know, usually on paper, oh, this team's better. They're going to win. But there's something about those trends that don't go away.
1: Yeah, every now and then the trend is your friend. And it's the 12th straight instance now in a row that the underdog in this Ravens-Steelers matchup has gone on to not only cover, but in this case, win straight up with the comeback there for the Steelers 17-10. We'll we'll get into that game at length a little bit more in a bit. But, Michael, I am wearing this color for good reason today. (laughs) How about them Niners, my guy? A monster win over Dallas yesterday.
2: You know... When the Patriots are getting ready to play the Cowboys, I was watching a lot of Cowboy tape and I thought, you know, they're just, they, Arizona blocked them. Like, I know they have this rep for being great on defense, but I thought, actually, I said it on our show. I thought that New England could, could beat them or could even upset them or definitely cover the line and they got destroyed. And a lot of that had to do with the, you know, the turnovers and all that. But, you know, when you study Dallas, and this has got to be a concern if you're a Cowboy fan, you've beaten a bad Jet Jet team offensively. You've beaten a very bad Giant team offensively. And you've beaten a very bad Patriot team offensively. And the Cardinals, with Drew Petsick, has done a great job with, with Joshua Dobbs. He turned it over yesterday. But for the most part, they have moved the ball. They blocked them, and they ran the football. Kyle Shanahan watched that tape and said, okay, I got this. And they dominated that game. That's why I said yesterday on the air, I thought the over was going to be in play. I kind of thought both teams would score. I didn't think one would get to 42 and the other would only get to 10. But I kind of felt like we were going to see more offense than we were anticipating. And the Niners came through.
1: Yeah, I mean, you look at that 42 points, the Cowboys, each of the previous four weeks combined only allowed 41. So just an absolute dismantling from the San Francisco 49ers in this spot. The Texas Rangers put up more points yesterday against the Orioles than the Cowboys did in this game, which is crazy to think about. And Brock Purdy, give him his flowers, Michael. Four touchdowns against that defense, three of which go to George Kittle. He has yet to throw an interception this season. 72% completions for the year. He improves to 10 and know as a starter in these regular season games eight one and one against the spread and the poise the mobility and way he is able to function in the pocket I feel like so many things that he is doing Michael are just the right way he just makes it look easy for whatever reason
2: and we got to stop this nonsense that he's the weak link. Like, right. forget the fact that he was Mr. Irrelevant. That's over with now. It's not where you get picked. It's where how you play. And the kid plays really well. As I've said many times, tell me the difference between him and Tua. Other than one guy was picked fifth overall in the draft, the other guy was the last pick. Both really good accuracy. Both have, and you know, Tua doesn't have a great arm. I think Purdy's arm is much better. Both had experience in college. And they run the offense effectively like a good point guard does. So I I don't understand why people keep constantly have to go back to when's Purdy going to fall apart. He's not. He gets the ball to the players, and the players do the work. That's what his job is. And they're really effective, and they're tough to handle because with McCaffrey now, you know they've got so many interchangeable parts, and they become very effective. And it's hard to defend them. It really is. And as as the Cowboys tried – they really didn't have an answer. And without digs, they can't play a lot of man-to-man. They're going to lose on the outside.
1: No, I completely agree with you. And especially when it comes to the, let's forget the Mr. Irrelevant talk. He's not just going to up and turn into a pumpkin. He tore up his elbow the in the NFC championship game last year and somehow has come back stronger now to this point. He is number one in the NFL throwing outside the numbers, number one in the league throwing passes 15 yards or more beyond the line of scrimmage. He And yet he is still splitting rent and living with a roommate on the offensive line and driving a Toyota <laughs> Sequoia, Michael. So, you know, that, yeah, that just well, goes to show how good that is for the 49ers.
2: <laughs> They can't redo his deal yeah. for another two more years. <laughs> I mean, they have two more years of this deal, they, they, and there's nothing they can do for him. You know, I'm sure he'll make bonus pay from the playtime incentives that all get dumped in the pool. So he's not going broke. But look, credit them for seeing something in him and credit. Yeah. Look, we have this conversation. Oh, you know, anybody can play in Kyle's system. Well, you know, that's not true. That, that Nick Mullins couldn't play in this. CJ Beathard couldn't play in the system. Garoppolo could. This kid can play well. And the players around them are so good. They dominated that. that game forty-two to ten wasn't as close because remember this. If the Cowboys can't run the football effectively, that's problematic for their offense. And yes. then the way the Niners play defense this year, they play more man, they don't have they'll attack a little bit more and still have that front. They're tough to play.
1: Yeah, the Cowboys just 57 yards on the ground, 29 from Tony Pollard. The longest run play of the game was 11 yards for Dallas, or 10 yards maybe, yeah, for, for Dallas in the spot, and it was Pollard. But what I think has gotten maybe a little bit carried away um, is the Brock Purdy MVP odds, Michael. He's down all the way to 7-1 yeah. to one now.
2: He should. I mean, look, look. I, I thought the two MVP odds was, I, like I keep saying, that's, that's Tyreek Hill. That's Tyreek <laughs> Hill. Okay, let's stop that. But I could see it being – because Purdy's been playing point, you know, and he's playing a really good – he's John Stockton. That's what he is. He's playing like John Stockton. He's just dishing the ball. It's it's perfect, you know, and you've got to give him some consideration. The other guy, Mahomes at 450, look, I'm going to tell you something. That offense is not on track. 33 yards was the longest pass play to Watson on a third and 18 that he threw it up in the air – and Watson came down with it. This offense is not back on track, and that offensive line is a problem. They don't have great skill. Kelsey's not the same Kelsey as he's getting older and dealing with injuries. They haven't hit high octane. They're still winning, credit them, because their defense is really good.
1: Yeah, and thankfully Kelsey was able to get back in that game. You wonder what that offense is truly if he's not available because he's such an important piece of what they of what they do. Also, injury wise in that game, Justin Jefferson dealing with a hamstring. No official update. We'll have to see throughout the course of the week how he plays. But uh, you know he didn't look particularly comfortable on the sideline yesterday. To re go back to those MVP numbers, though, you see Purdy there seven to one, uh, tied for third on the odds board. McCaffrey sixth on the board at fifteen to. He's also the offensive player of the year favorite at plus 175. General numbers for San Francisco, they are the. Th- Plus 350 favorite to win the Super Bowl. Plus 140 now in the NFC. An $8 favorite to win the NFC West. Everything coming up, 49ers. And speaking about the defense, Michael, obviously, Fred Warner had an incredible day. Interception, forced fumble, sack, uh, led the team with eight tackles on the day as well. But taking advantage of Dak Prescott, I thought, who had a three interception day, um, he now against the 49ers, their last three meetings, just three touchdowns, six interceptions. Uh, Dak basically said, get out of the way, CD land there. Guys in red, I want to throw the ball to. Here's what he had to say <laughs> after the game.
2: Didn't see it coming. As you said, put everything into this and uh, got punched in the mouth. Um, called a couple of weeks ago, humbling against Arizona. Uh, but this may be the most humbling game I've ever been a part of. Um, felt good about the preparation. Felt good about everything, honestly, coming into this game, matchups. And they beat us in every aspect.
1: They did. And uh, it's it hard did. to find a lot of redeeming qualities from what we saw from Dallas yesterday. But but Michael, to you, who who are the contenders in the NFC now beyond San Francisco?
2: Well, I, I think the Lions are good. I mean, I think the Lions are good. They can score. You know, if it's a drop back game, they're not as good. You know, Goff got hit quite a bit in this, you know, even though they scored 42. But they're good. They can move the football. St. Brown wasn't on the field. Gibbs wasn't on the field yesterday and didn't miss a beat. Dominated the game. You know, Bryce Young, you know, Frank Wright's just going to call 75 passes. He doesn't care how much the kid gets hit. You know, he's taking a beating. I, I actually think Bryce Young is really good. I watch him. He throws the ball in rhythm. He's got great eye, eyes. He he sees the field. He He's just getting hit way too much. It's hard for him. Uh, so I think Detroit's a contender. I think Philly played their best game yesterday, Stormy. They played their best game yesterday. They dominated. The the Rams have always been a team that needs to control the run, run the football, control the clock. As we said yesterday on the air, they had 54 more plays than their opponent. 54 more offensive plays than their opponent. That's an entire game. That's an entire game. For the Giants and the Patriots offense, that might be two games, right? And so that's an entire game. And yesterday, the Eagles dominated third down. This was a really good third down team defense for the Rams. They dominated third down, and they dominated the game. And so, you know, they're – they're I would say they're less than they were last year, but they're really good. Detroit, Philly, San Francisco. I, I don't see it. Minnesota, they make too many mistakes. First series of the game, they fumbled. You know, for me, I don't know if there's another team. Dallas is going to have to prove they can step up in there. There are two games already out of first place already.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting how this game is such a week-to-week league and what we thought Dallas was, we were really shown on a big stage yesterday, what they weren't. So the 49ers, like I said, the favorite in the NFC, followed by the Eagles 3-1, the Lions at 7-1, and San Francisco still being that Super Bowl favorite where things stand now. We'll also talk a little bit more about the AFC contenders and that side of things, talking about it being a week-to-week league, what we saw from the Buffalo Bills yesterday in London Mm. and a significant injury to Matt Milano, more and more injuries piling up on that defense. And while we're on the AFC, how about what is going on in New England We'll get Michael's thoughts when we return here on the Lombardi line.
0: There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables.
2: Former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, here
0: is your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on VSN, the sports betting network.
1: It was an interesting Sunday in the NFL where we had the biggest favorites of the day end up coming through and covering, yet we had five underdogs cashing on the money line, winning outright. It was fun, and the action's going to continue tonight with Monday Night Football here from Vegas. I'm Stormy Bonantoni. He's Michael Lombardi, as we welcome you into Hour 2 of the Lombardi line on VEASAN and DraftKings Network. Michael, there's so much I feel like that we could attack from Week 5 in the NFL. What were some of your just big standout takeaways from the day?
2: Well, I, I think, you know, all the line we've seen to start week five, we knew that anytime the public was on 51% of the bets, they were making money this year, which is strange. It was the most profitable year since since 2020 and twenty and oh nine for the betting public. But that flipped yesterday. If you followed the line movement for the first four weeks, you were making money. If you followed the live movement yesterday, you didn't. Because, you know, there was a lot of lines that moved and everybody was doing it, except for the Atlanta line, right? If you got Atlanta at one and a half, laying points, you won. If you got it at two, if you got Houston at two and a half, you won. But for the most part, it, it kind of things went back to normal again. Normal in, in a different world because the two teams with the highest uh, uh, cover, had a cover, covered easily. Those games were never in jeopardy in terms of the cover and the number. So I think it was interesting there. And in all those games that were in that four, five, that moved closer to the three, three and a half, they all went the wrong way against, against the betting public.
1: And Michael, because you did reference the Falcons-Texans game, that one was a sweat because C.J. Stroud has leads that drive, puts Houston ahead, and then Atlanta is able to come back and answer. So that was, uh, you know, we always talk about that witching hour and that result certainly part of it. We also yeah. had, Michael, a, a number of injuries yesterday too. Matt Milano for the Buffalo Bills, their stud linebacker goes down, potentially season ending with a leg fracture as well as a knee injury From that standpoint, we see Colts quarterback Anthony Richardson with a third injury in just five games to start the season. And Joe Burrow, actually, he came into the game injured, hobbled. I was somebody who wasn't particularly keen on how he was going to perform this week. And he looked the best by far that we have seen this year.
2: Well, I think to me, we remember we said on the show Sunday, we saw a little clip of him working out and we thought, oh, he looks pretty. I thought he looked pretty good. And he moved a little bit more. Look, their offensive line is still a problem. See, I think one of the things we have to do on Monday morning is forget the score, right? This, as Bill Walsh often said, the score takes care of itself, right? you got to analyze the game. And when you analyze that game, I like Cincy. I thought that line was very disrespectful to Cincinnati as it related to Arizona. It went from five down to three. Hell, what I did Russo on Friday at 5 o'clock, uh, he had the line at 2. And I wasn't even planning on taking Cincinnati. I said, well, I'll take him a two here. This is ridiculous. So, uh, by the way, I I beat him three to O because he always rubs it in on me, Stormy, about how he's been dominating me. Forget about that. There we go. So uh, I I think to me, watching Burrow and the team, there's still problems with his offensive line there's still problems with their defense. It's not as good as it was. But what we did see in that game, when you watch it closely, once Cincinnati got the lead, once they came up in the fourth quarter, then all of a sudden their pass rush took over the game and they created more turnovers. So that's a positive thing for Cincinnati. Now, they got Seattle coming in this week, not going to be an easy task. But they made some progress. I just don't buy this offensive line. I just think, to me, the two lines of the legitimate good teams – like we know the Giants line's bad. We know New England's line's bad. We know Denver's line's bad. The Jets, all that. Okay. The good teams, you know, Kansas City, not they're not playing well. Cincinnati, they're not playing well. That's got to change if they're if they're going to.
1: Which I think has got to be overwhelmingly frustrating if you're in the Bengals' front office considering how much you invested in that group up front that it is not panned out the way that you paid for. 34-20, the final in that one. The Bengals win and cover any number that was out there even on the look ahead where they were a much larger favorite. And, And credit Jamar Chase, by the way, he said last week he's always open. He was right. He was. <laughs> Ten receptions, 150 yards, two receiving touchdowns in the win. Uh, let's turn our attention. Did you, did
2: you see that catch he made on the deep throw? Yeah. First of all, what a great throw by no. Burrow. But I mean, the catch to catch that that ball was coming in at laser speed. And it just naturally fit in. I mean, it was impressive. I don't think people realize how hard it is to catch that ball.
1: He's a, a very, very special player. No question about it. But but hey, let's turn our attention to Monday night because we do have a big one coming out here in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. And I will let the folks at home know that, granted, I am at a hotel. I am at a sports book in a hotel at Circa Resort and Casino. But there are a lot of Packers jerseys here. And we know that this is a group that travels. I anticipate there being a lot of green in the stands tonight two and a half point underdog green Bay is in this spot the line moved when Jimmy Garoppolo was officially off of concussion protocol but it has continued to go the Raiders way Devontae Adams questionable but he, he's expected to play and I would be stunned if he did not play for the first time against his former team he's gonna be excited to get out there
2: yeah I would be shocked if he didn't play either and look I'm I'm shocked the lines moving towards the Raiders because the Raiders are like the Vikings the Raiders are like some in some ways they're like the Patriots. They just beat themselves. And they've yet to proven that they can't beat themselves. They've been in game, other than the Buffalo game, they've been in games. They just turned the ball over at a rapid rate. And I'm surprised Green Bay didn't open up the favorite and stay the favorite. I really am. You know, the new the fact is the Raiders have to get their ground game going. They've got to get the ball to Josh Jacobs. They've got to run the football. And they've got to use their skill. And what's happened to them is their offensive line has gotten pushed around. It got pushed around by Buffalo. It got pushed around a lot by Pittsburgh. And it got pushed around in Los Angeles last weekend. They've got to do a better job there. And you're always worried about the Raiders defensively. You know, I know Jordan Love's on the road in a big game. He lost to Atlanta in his first career start on the road. You know, they beat Chicago in his first career start on the road. Lost to Atlanta in the second one. This will be his third one. But can the Raiders put any pressure other than Max Crosby? I mean, that's going to be the key. They've got to be able to win the turnover battle, and that's something the Raiders typically don't do.
1: Because you mentioned that the Raiders need to run the football. Do you think this Packers defense presents that opportunity? They're allowing the second most yards per game on the ground in the NFL right now. So if there was a get right opportunity for the run game, it feels like it would be today.
2: Yeah, I would think they could, you know, they're going to have to, but I think what you got to, I think early in this game, you got to throw it to run it. I think they got to get Garoppolo into a groove. They got to do what Garoppolo is comfortable doing, and I think with a week off for Garoppolo and for them to really sit back and see what can he do and get the ball to their playmakers. I mean, they haven't been able to utilize their tight ends at all in their offense this year, and so they've got to do that and they've got to be able to mix in and let the run go and try to you know go back to one of the things I thought Josh always did a great job with when he was at New England is play Canadian football, get first downs and two downs. You know, and stay out of that third down, stay out of that possession down because it requires a lot of things to go right. Like we saw with Buffalo, you know, Buffalo, if for all the conversations about travel, the first third down, you know, Josh makes a great throw over to the right sideline and the kid drops it. You know, when you're in third and four all the time, you know, you convert those to 45 percent. You're still giving the defense back 55 percent of the time. So. I think that's what they have to do. they got to start faster, too. These teams that lose, like the Raiders have, the they get behind, and it exposes their offensive line. Whereas Miami, whose offensive line, if they played in any other system, in any other system, they would get destroyed. But because the ball comes out in 2.3 <laughs> seconds, and it's going to bubble screens, and Tyreek Hill takes it for 70 yards, they don't get exposed as much.
1: Other injuries to be aware of for tonight, in addition to Devontae Adams, other questionables for the Raiders, corners, Jacorian Bennett and David Long. Only player ruled out is also in that defensive backfield and Nate Hobbs. The Packers, meanwhile, um, well-rested after the Thursday night game last week, so should be, you know, had time to lick their wounds and heal up a little bit. But linebacker Devondre Campbell and safety Zane Anderson, both out. Aaron Jones was also questionable, but from the reports that I have seen, also expected to play, which will be, important for that offensive group and supporting right. the young quarterback
2: right and, and i think you know to me Jair alexander is he going to play
1: yeah questionable you know, as well it, on him
2: you know we're not sure he's going to be a game time decision whether he plays rasul douglas i mean both these corners for green bay are very good at interceptions They've, they're very good at reading routes they're very good at anticipation and garoppolo's got to do a good job of making sure he doesn't give them the game
1: Do you have a feel for the total in this one currently sitting 45 and a half? And this one opened in the 42, 43 range. So taking some over money, do you get the sense that could be how this one plays out?
2: You know, I think it will. I think both teams can move the ball. I think both teams can move the ball. Look, one thing Detroit, we haven't seen Green Bay play since the Detroit game Thursday night. And Detroit ran it down their throat. Detroit play action passed them and ran it down their throat. And that's the recipe, and you got to make you've got to be able to do that. And that's what the Raiders can do with Garoppolo.
1: <clears throat> with Jimmy G um, coming off of the concussion, is there any fear just in terms of like having to get reacclimated to the group, or you feel like he's just going to step right in?
2: Well, I mean, he's practiced Wednesday and Thursday, so it isn't like he's missed practice and he's just coming back, right? You know, I mean, he's had a full week of practice; he's had a full week to execute the game plan. I get the sense that the Raiders don't feel like they practice poorly. I think what happens to the Raiders is they turn the ball over and they lose their confidence. You know, even in the in their one win against Denver on opening weekend, they they haven't been able they, – they turn the ball over in that game. They, they've got to avoid losing before they can win.
1: Right. It's like – it's interesting you say that because I feel like we look at all these deep analytics and advanced stats, and sometimes turnovers ends up being the the number one thing, right? And it just comes down to which quarterback turns the Confident- ball over, right? Yeah.
2: Right, and it comes back to confidence. Like, if you watch – the look, New England's bad. I'm not making any excuses. But if you watch the New England game, and when Mac Jones throws the pick six, again, the whole team went in the tank. Now, they have no mental toughness to come out of the tank. And why don't they have that? Because he's done it so many times this year. Like, you lose confidence. And that's not why they lost. But their reaction to the play is why they lost. They went right into the tank. The next series, three and out. Has two wide open receivers, doesn't hit them. Now it's over. Like, now nobody believes it.
1: Yeah, it and takes the air out of the everybody played
2: building. a step level below. It's, it's bad. And, you know, I'll be, I'm not absolving anybody here from the blame.
1: I'm glad you mentioned the Patriots because Robert Kraft may or may not be stepping into the office when we come back.
0: is the Lombardi line with former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now here's
2: your host, Stormy Bonatoni, on vSEN, the sports betting network.
1: The puck drops on the NHL season Tuesday and our hockey betting experts are ready for all of the action. Become a V-CIN Pro subscriber today to get our all new NHL betting guide. It features previews for all 32 teams, futures bets, awards, picks, and season long props. First period betting strategies as well. We've got our guy Steve Mackinan's power ratings plus best bet articles five days a week once the season gets underway. This guide is a must-have with key insights and data whether you're an avid hockey bettor or new to the sport. Give yourself an edge this season get the visa nhl betting guide and become a visa pro subscriber visa.com slash subscribe is where you can do it
0: the appointments are lined up. You waiting for somebody in there? An appointment, and it's not about what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. It's not personal. It's strictly business it's time. You and me had a private talk We're here. Step into my office. And step into my office with Michael Lombardi, Mr. Lombardi. We'll see you now,
1: Michael Lombardi. Your 2:15 appointment has arrived, and his name is Mr. Robert Kraft, owner of the New England Patriots. This Patriots team off to its worst start, one and four through five games since 2000. You have worked for Robert Kraft in the past. You have worked with Bill Belichick. Seeing the way that things have panned out this season and the last handful of years, what would your advice be to Robert Kraft handling what has been the first failure in a long time in New England? Because it seems like any other coach in any other situation would be on the hot seat right now.
2: You know, Mr. Kraft, I think the number one thing for all of us to do is to figure out what actually is the problem and there's been a lot of theories out there it's kind of a little bit like the kennedy assassination there's always a theory about a theory about a theory what is the problem if you think it's the coaching is not good enough then that's an easy decision if you think the players are not good enough that's an easy decision if you think it's both that's a harder decision if you think the scheme is a problem that's an easy decision If you think it's all three, coaching, players, and scheme, that's the ultimately hard decision. So I think what I would recommend you do is take a step back, stop reading Twitter, because Twitter has all the answers, only they have an eraser with it. And I would take a look at really what is the problem? What is the problem? Is it coaching? Is it the lack of offensive scheme? Is it the lack of offensive talent? Is it the wrong quarterback? What is it? What is the problem? And I think from that point, it becomes easy to make the decisions moving forward. Trust your instincts. Your instincts 20-some years ago led you to hire Bill Belichick when everybody said you shouldn't. Everybody said you shouldn't. You gave up a first-round pick for him. Everybody thought that was ridiculous. The back page of the New York Post, remember Ian O'Connor? He wrote it would be the worst decision you ever made. I would trust your instincts. However, that being said, I would get the right data. It's critical to know what the real problems are to solve it. And that comes with asking the right questions. And I think that's what you need to do.
1: Six Super Bowl rings later, the tandem has worked pretty darn well together, but it's hard to overlook three and 10, the last 12 games, 26 and 29 since 2019, one lackluster playoff performance, and now coming off back-to-back worst games of Bill Belichick's head coaching career. So a lot of eyeballs on that team and that situation. Let's go to another one in four team. Things are not looking good for Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos as Sean steps into the office. Um, obviously, this past game against the Jets, there was a lot of off-season, off-field talk with Sean Payton calling it the worst NFL coaching job potentially in history this offseason, referring to Nathaniel Hackett. Obviously, Hackett and the Jets get the job done yesterday. What can Sean Payton do to get his team playing up to the standards he feels they're capable of? That defense is averaging a league-worst 36 points per game
2: I think it's Sean you need to figure out how much further you can continue going down pretending you're a good team you're not you know it and I know it you're not a good team so at that point once we realized we're not a good team we started unloading Randy Gregory we got rid of his we really didn't get rid of his salary we just got rid of him I think, really, your focus has to be trying to improve the team as much as you can this year. But we're going to have to play a lot of young players. It's going to have to be a developmental thing because, let's face it, we're not good enough in any area to play a game, especially defensively. So everything I did, everything I would recommend you do has a gear towards can this player be on our team next year? And I would liquidate players now, right now, before the trading deadline to see if I can get some assets back. Because that's going to be really important to this rebuild. The sooner we accept that we need to rebuild, the sooner we accept that we're going to draft a quarterback, the sooner that we accept that we need to move on, the better off we're going to be. So I think let's go to Thursday night. We'll give it a good effort. We probably can play them tough. It's a rivalry game. But you know our defense won't be able to hang in there long enough, especially if Andy wants to run the football. So once we get past that, then we need to regroup. We'll have six games in with 11 games to go. We're going to have a high pick. Let's figure out how we build this team moving forward the right way.
1: Yeah, quick turnaround with a tough opponent on Thursday night. Okay, now let's use our visualization skills. Imagine this scenario. Your team has a three-point lead. You've got a third down with 35 seconds to go. The play clock in college, unless there's a timeout or a penalty, is 40 seconds. Your opponent has no timeout. So you're left with two options. Michael, you can one, take a knee, game over, win the game, everything is good. Or option two, run a play and risk potential chaos. Imagine being a head coach that has risked potential chaos and had it back fire not once but twice in his career mario cristobal is stepping into the office michael what do you have to say
2: you know mario you know we pay you a lot of money not just to recruit we pay you a lot of money to manage the game and you're a disaster you're a disaster at managing the game you've made this mistake once and now you make it again and you cost us a chance at really moving forward So what I would recommend that you do is you take the money out of your salary. We're paying you over $8 million a year for that decision. You should pay somebody a million to help you a year to to manage the game on the sideline because you obviously can't do it. Every team, going back to my grandson's Dominic flag football team, has victory formation. Victory formation. You call it out. The quarterback takes the snap. There's somebody behind him. Ever since Joe Pasarczyk, do you know who Joe Pasarczyk is? No, of course you don't, because you don't follow the history of the game. Tried to hand the ball off to Larry Zonka and pivoted out the wrong way, and Herm Edwards picked it up and ran it into the end zone, and John McVay got fired at the end of the year, and Dick Vermeil the next year went to the playoffs. It changed the course of both franchises. It changed the course of both franchises. The miracle in the Meadowlands. And you just had the mishap in Miami. And all you had to do is get into victory formation. That's all you had to do. But of course, you didn't learn from your mistakes because you don't anticipate moving forward. I would recommend that you hire somebody and pay them out of your salary because the school's not paying you any more money.
1: You know how coaches on the sideline have that guy that pulls on their belt to make sure that they're not on the field or getting hit by anything while things are happening? I feel like Mario needs one of those just in late-game situations. Just pull him back. Hey, that's not what you need to do. Uh, Hasselbeck on the broadcast as it's happening says it needs to be said, quote, that's one of the biggest coaching mistakes at this level I have ever seen in my lifetime. Cristobal did after the game say he should have taken a knee and that even on the post-game show said there's, quote, no way to rationalize
2: it. Uh, Let's move in. You know, the funny thing is the ACC announcer I don't think it was Hasselback I listened to the ABC ACC announcer and he's screaming why aren't they in victory formation
1: Yep Well I thought th- I thought that Hasselback was calling the game I thought
2: personally. Maybe it, may, it might've been him. I don't, yeah. It might've been him. Yeah, yep. Well, and
1: he, and he was saying it like you're saying, like he was yelling at the television screen. Um, <laughs> I was yelling at the television screen in a positive way, cheering on the San Francisco 49ers. Dak Prescott, who's stepping into the office was not so happy after a three interception day against their NFC longtime rival from back in the eighties and nineties. After the game, Dak told reporters it was quote the most humbling game he has ever been a part of. If you're talking to Dak, what do he and the Cowboys need to do to get back to contentment? tenders in the NFC
2: yeah I, I think Dak we've been spoiled a little bit by our fake success right you know we've beaten three really bad offenses and there, our defense isn't as elite as many people think it is it's good don't get me wrong it's good and, and Micah's tremendous but we're not elite I mean we saw Arizona beat us hand fair and square we can't make a mistake offensively We can't overcome any bad negative plays. So it really behooves us when we have a chance to hit a receiver down the field and he's open, we got to hit it. Like we all have to play better. We all have to play better because to win a playoff game, it's going to require us playing at a highest level from the offensive line to the receivers. You know, we're not as talented as San Francisco in all facets of the game. There is a difference between the two teams. I think we saw it. But there isn't a difference if we don't play better.
1: i was just going to say 30 seconds, Michael. Frank Reich's in the office. Tell him off.
2: I, I mean, Frank, at some point, are you going to protect the quarterback? Because if I was the kid's dad, I would be coming into your office every day. Like, at some point, are you going to protect him? Like, do we have to continually throw him, get him beat up? Can we get him under center and protect him and take some of the heat off him?
1: It has just been so bad all around. And it's unfortunate when you see a guy who's just, you know, he's so talented and
2: he's b- so good
1: being wasted away in what's been a rough start. Oh, and five for the Carolina Panthers. And I don't see it getting easier with be my, and six. Yeah, with Miami on the horizon. We're going to step aside. We'll be right back on the Lombardi line. Beason zone. Mike Pritchard is going to join us as we continue to recap everything that happened yesterday in the NFL. Look ahead to Monday Night Football. Don't go anywhere.